This is Peter David, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk, and I'm not wearing any pants. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 34th episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan, an intelligent conversation, but perhaps maybe a contentious one today, because for episode 34, we will be discussing our thoughts on Superior Spider-Man number 30, answering some fan mail, discussing all the spider news that's fit to print, and boy, there was some big news over the last couple of weeks. Was there? Yeah, and then discussing Superior Spider-Man annual number two. If you guys want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this sound... Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, I've got my gloves on. Let's get right to it. Superior Spider-Man number 30. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains Yeah, man, I feel like Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky Three, where I'm just, like, taking my glove and doing ding, ding. So let's go, Dan. Superior Spider-Man number 30. Uh, this was one, uh, this is, this is, I think, a f- true first in Superior Spider Talk history where, uh, you know, Dan and I have obviously not always seen exactly eye to eye on all the comics that we discuss here, but, um, I think this is the one where we have the most, um, divergent opinions on, although I maintain they're not as different as they might sound, but... Let me just put my, my, my big glossy view on this first, Dan, and then we can start picking it apart scene by scene. But um, for me, Superior Spider-Man number 30 is, is all about course correction. Um, I, I got to be honest, the last couple of issues, I was a little anxious and, and uh, a little little unhappy with where I saw things going in terms of the larger story. You know, we had we had these ideas being teased for what what I was assuming was going to be the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man in April where you know was was Otto still going to be in control in some way or was um, Spider-Man Peter going to think he was Doc Ock because of him experiencing his memories or you know these 31 memories was he going to have amnesia I gotta tell you Dan I really I was going to be open-minded but I wasn't interested in reading those stories I really wasn't so Superior Spider-Man 30 kind of just takes a big big eraser to all of that other stuff uh sets the status quo back to kind of you know you know to the beginning before amazing spider-man 700 for the most part which you know depending on your view of things is either a good thing or a really bad thing so tell me why you didn't like it dan 
Well, Mark, I, I really appreciate like your you know optimism about like the future and the the idea that like you know this is course correcting. But the the problem is for me that I don't think you should be course correcting on the finale of something that you've been building to for thirty three issues. Um, I, I'm including the three issues that came before Superior, where Otto was in control of Peter's body. Um, you know, 33 issues, and we finally get to the moment where Peter gets his body back, and it's done so with such a whimper, so glibly. Uh, it's just, it kind of happens with no, no foreshadowing. And, and I get that, like, yes, we're going to get back that Peter that you want that's unadulterated, and we'll still have to deal with the ramifications of this. But for me, doing it in this way... Um, it doesn't only just do a disservice to this comic, it does a disservice to all the great work that Dan Slott has been doing along the way. Now, we've had some kind of contentious, you know, with the book over, not between uh, ourselves, but over the, you know, these certain stories in the book, the idea of the 31 memories or uh, Carly being a goblin or, and, mo- and most recently, you know, Peter going through the mindscape in. And, you know, and getting stuck in, in Otto's memories and what that would mean for the book and whether we were interested in reading those stories. But, like, what if, you know, we had this conclusion, which you like, and, and I think works on, you know, on paper, you know, if you, I mean, I, maybe not on paper because the book is printed on paper. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I Conceptually, mean, you mean conceptually it sounds okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I read everything here and I'm like, gosh, this, this should work for me, but it, it, emotionally it doesn't. Because we've been spending so much time on these other ideas that then get completely thrown away. You know, we have this idea. I mean, I mean, and, and not just like things like the 31 memories, like the whole concept of the superior Spider-Man in general. And I can get into some more of those details later. But to see the big one, the big sin here for me is um, Otto and his complete change of character of being willing enough to essentially commit suicide and hand his body back over to Peter. And I get that, like, it's a loving touch from Anna Maria, you know, towards his love for Anna Maria. But I just don't buy that this character who has constantly made excuses for himself and found ways to prove himself superior and always in the right would make this kind of a change and decision without any foreshadowing to this other than some loose, you know, worries about the way the city is going. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I uh, first of all, I, I I don't think it came as out of nowhere the, the the moment with Otto at the end that that you that you obviously interpret it to be. And um, you know, the, uh, to me, this this was something that was that was being referenced, that was being built. Part of the problem, um, and this is a larger issue, is that um, you know, I think that. This was a story that really this this being Goblin Nation, this being the Superior Error. I think this was kind of a runaway train um, that got a little bit away from the people in charge here, whether it be Dan or even higher powers in Marvel. I don't think they expected it to be as successful as it ended up being. Um, I think that. Um, I think the story ended up getting extended. I think a little bit beyond its expectancy, but it's it should have you know its rightful expectancy. I mean, you know, was that was that Venom arc even needed at this point? You know what I mean? Did we did we need these two annual issues? Did we even need? I mean, to me, this, this if you go back to Superior nineteen, 
which was, you know, Otto searching his memories and failing and, you know, with the Spider-Man 2099 story. Like, you, if you go from there to Goblin Nation, then all of a sudden, like, this transition makes more sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but, I but, agree but, with you. But we got away from it. And we continually keep getting away from it. You know, we, we talked about this um, earlier in the issues during the teens when we started to get a little uh, cranky about stuff because I kept asking the question, wasn't this a story about Doc Ock's redemption? Because that was where it was building for a while. That was, that was Superior 7. That was Superior 8. That was Superior 9. And then we got away from it. And that this is this has kind of been the trend of this story. And, you know, Dan Slott, for someone who is about as well versed in Spider-Man continuity as it gets, tends to ignore his own continuity, which is a little upsetting. Um, you know, when you look at his writing as a big, as a you know part of the big picture, you know, he, he's he's good at tying up. Uh, or, not, or not tying up loose ends, but making these references to things that he wrote about in, you know, 2010 or in 2008. <laughs> but um, when it comes to actually, you know, carrying m- momentum going forward, it, he, he loses track of things or he chooses to ignore or he pretends that his own readers are, or don't won't remember it. And, you know, Dan, we've been talking about these comics every two weeks for the last year now, I think, give or take. Um, and we remember. <laughs> so, um, well, one thing I remember is how insistent you are on the fact that sometimes these books get carried away with story over character. And that's what this issue felt like to me was a huge choice of story over character. These characters who I don't believe would do these things, uh, in, in service of, the story that we that, that you are you know correctly argue sounds like it's going to be getting better because of this these decisions but but let let me ask you this how much better would this story have been if instead of you know doing these crazy things like spending time in lost in the mindscape reliving Otto's memories if we had just accepted what had happened in you know um, issue twenty six with Peter ready to come back and fight making his appearance known in 27 and the two of them fighting it out and battling wits and mantras over the several issues until this moment. I I would have bought that then, uh, you know, here it just, it's not supported by an arc that allows us to get to this moment. And, you know, and I agree the stuff that's in this particular issue is a lot stronger than what we've been getting, but I I have to judge it in the uni- in the world that it exists and the rules that have been established and and we can get into the rules in a bit but i i just i want to say that i really think that this is story over character particularly in how it's delivered we get this huge exposition dump of you know Otto explaining his relationship with peter but where have we ever seen him work out what this relationship was i i don't think i've ever seen it no, I mean in, yeah, the 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 assumption is you know he's lived as, he's lived as Peter for the past whatever the time period that's passed in this book is so thus he understands him now but uh, no Dan I, again th- this is the thing I don't disagree with you as you know as much as it may sound I mean I I I wrote about this story favorably in terms of. The idea of, well, I like at least where we are. I like where things are being set up. I didn't want to read about 
Peter Parker with 31 memories. What were those 31 memories? We never learned what those 31 memories were. This was something that was thrown out there by Dan, by Dan Slott, and then it was like glossed over and forgotten. That story went out the window the second that Peter in the Mindscape jumped into Otto, and then all of a sudden the story became about how is Peter going to come out on the other side in Otto's memories? 31 memories were gone. Then, bye, so long. So, I, I, mean, yeah, it's, I, I mean, that's it, fine, it, but like, you, you know, let's talk about this. You know, we could say that, yes, it course corrects, and I agree with you, but, like, let's talk about what what has been done here. You know, we have issue 700 where Peter, you know, uses his connection with Otto to put, you know, the core memories into Otto. He, you know, Otto, we know Otto doesn't access all of his memories there because he's constantly doing it throughout the first eight issues of Superior Spider-Man until we get to Superior 9 where all of his memories are just wiped. Um, including like Uncle Ben, Gwen Stacy, even his own name, you know, and he's buried in the rubble, a really dramatic moment. And, you know, I was willing to buy that, you know, those core 31 memories could come back, even though it went against the already established text. But um, when we get to the moment in the Mindscape where all of those memories are supposed to be, you know, rejuvenated, his entire life's memories. Where are those coming from? It to me, it just upset me because it was never established within the own text. You know, Slot's got great at referring to things that have happened before, but is he super great at referring to his own writing? Well, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Dan, I, I, I guess the point is, and and you know, I don't want this to become you know a sourpuss podcast session here, but. You know, you start poking. You're you're going down a slippery slope because if you start poking holes in this, you can keep going back and back and keep peeling layers off the onion. I mean, you know, I'm still wondering. I, I hate to say this, but what the hell was Otto Octavius's motivation to be Spider-Man? To be better. I bought that. I didn't. I in retrospect, I mean, I don't know. To be better. But to be to prove himself superior, which I you know is has always been Otto's mo. I mean, what what is his original mo in the first place? I I know what you're saying, but how how is killing his foe and and saving his own life not proving his superiority? Why then be Spider Man for thirty issues? I don't know. I that's re- what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I and I and, and like like there was a suspension of disbelief going into this story for me. This this whole story. And we'll probably talk about this when we kind of, you know, say, "Ah, oh, the superior era, what did it mean?" But that's why for me it's like these are some of these issues that I've kind of like gotten over or given up trying to figure out months ago. So now that's why I guess if anything I view this a little more positively because it's like, okay, well, you know, there, there are some, there are other plot holes that we can argue about that we really haven't because we've just kind of accepted it. Um, so what's, I mean, that's what's beef, another, what's another five, you know what I mean? That's, what's fine. Another- <laughs> that's fine, Mark, but like my beef isn't with you. Like, oh, I know. My, my, like, <laughs> it isn't? <laughs> no, my beef is with the book. Like, I, yeah. I like, you know, this is my forum, and, and I'd like to express that, you know, that 
you know, I want to I want to hold not hold his feet to the fire. You know, I liked I liked a lot of Superior, and you know, I'm willing to let the motivation stuff slide because you know what, all these people are villains, and their motivations don't make a lot of sense in the first place. <laughs> like, you know, they just are being bad to be bad in their initial state, and many of them haven't gotten a chance to revisit what their original motivations are. That's why I like the storylines in the Gauntlet. Because I thought it did a really great job of reintroducing these characters and what their new motivations were. Um, and here, you know, I'm willing to, you know, buy that. He's stuck in the body of Peter Parker, so he might as well be Spider-Man. And God, gosh darn it, you know, uh, Ox, Ox going to do it better than he did. And I, that's enough for me. But what, what's not okay with me is when you spend so much time belaboring a particular story like the 31 Memory story only to just magically undo it. You know, it's this is this comic book is Dues Machina to the nth degree, Dan. Yeah, that's what I, it is. I agree with that. I agree. It's, with that. It, this is this is God in the machine. This is you know Dan Slott is God and the comics the machine. You know what I mean? Like it's just or is it God in a box? What is what is the exact God from the machine? God from the machine. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Dan. Forgive my lack of what's that Latin? Latin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's my Where's my Latin prize? Uh, <laughs> Well, no, I, I think I think we've kind of gotten, I guess, our feelings out there about about this. I will say that, like, again, I said it it, it kind of works on a on a you know on, on paper level for me. Like, I get how it should work, and I did like some of the ways that it was drawn. The whole tear thing, like him, res- like starting to cry as Otto and then finishing crying as Peter. Like, I thought that was really an interesting moment. So I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, and I thought the final splash page with you know my turn was I I mean like look I'm say what you will about the build but I mean if you're somebody who has been waiting and yearning for Peter Parker to return to the comic book universe that was an exciting page to look at I don't I don't know that I agree I think I think Common Coley missed a real opportunity to create an iconic image and just putting Peter like uh, Peter in the Spider Man suit up against black. I don't know. I think he could have done something a bit more dynamic with that. Uh, see, I disagree. I actually like the black. But to me, the black background kind of added to it. But that okay. was, yeah. Hey, different strokes, Mr. Dan. Oh, wow. Look at this. Look at this. This might be a, a changing relationship going uh, on. <laughs> no, because we're going to get to the annual in a little bit. And, you know, basically my notes on the annual is, yes, what Dan said. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk some finer plot points here, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Spider-Man 29 was in this issue for half a second. And, you know, obviously he's going to survive the spider Slayers for reasons that we'll get to in our news tidbits in a bit, but um, you know, kind of, he was kind of there, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't. It was harmless enough, I guess. Did he that just, did that storyline really need to occur? Like, <laughs> what have we gained from this moment? I mean, you know, I I, I loved the initial Spider Man twenty ninety nine arc. Uh, you know, earlier, you know, last year. But I mean, let's be honest. What what has what has um, Michael O'Mara or whatever his alias is? Uh, what has he really done since then? And not much. And you know, him just kind of showing up here again. It's just it's just for the purposes of reminding people that hey, this guy's here, and you know, we might be using him again later. So uh, remember wait, wait, that nudge nudge. Say yeah. no more. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Avengers in this issue. Yeah. This is something we definitely, I think, both see eye to eye about. I mean, the Avengers have kind of been a bunch of dummies from the get-go. 
Um, yeah, and then here, like, you know, after all that Spider-Man has done, murdering people, assaulting people, reckless endangerment, hacking of their own systems, and they finally want to arrest him. And why, Mark? Because he's hanging out with cardiac and doing surgeries and... <laughs> that are illegal <laughs> oh my mark yeah. you know oh, mur- i oh. thought murder was bad but not oh. medical experiments oh my stars <laughs> or to quote the goblin atm atm yeah <laughs> um yeah i like okay and, and not to go get back onto the dan slot bashing wagon here but i i think dan slot needs to officially retire the avengers from his books because he just cannot write them i'm sorry he can't they've i've yet to enjoy the Avengers, and the only time I enjoyed the Avengers was Spider Island, and I yeah. like I liked him in the first issue of Big Time. Okay, that's fair, but so so we're talking about since 2011, we have not gotten a satisfactory appearance of the Avengers in a in a in a dance slot written Spidey book. Is that a fair assessment? I, I guess that's pretty fair. I would say it's particularly during the Superior Run. Yeah, but Ends of the Earth, there there was blah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um. And that was like I think the last major. But Spider-Man was blah during Ends of the Earth. I just I try to black out when I when I think about that book. Right, right. Well, you know, well, poor Silver Sable. Remember, she did not die in vain. She probably she she didn't die. What happened Uh, to that (laughs) storyline? She's gonna. She's she's. um, Wait for it. There's a twist. But by the time she comes back, everybody will forgot that she died. Did anyone like? Does anyone even remember her in the first place? <laughs> yeah, right. And what's up with the rhino? He's still holding his breath. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, now we're really going back. Uh, um, no, agree. The Avengers. That was blah. Uh, Jameson. These these have to be the final days of J. Jonah Jameson as mayor of New York City, right? My hypothesis is proving more and more correct. <laughs> uh, you you called it, Dan. Yeah, I know. I don't think it was particularly uh, like eagle-eyed but uh yeah i've i've wanted this to happen for a while i mean you get a guy like jameson as the mayor of new york you know uh that's that can't possibly last forever no 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 i mean you know and that's been a good run that's been over what 100 issues now right because yeah, it was right around yeah, what yeah. 590 I think the term limits are starting to, to appear you know he's he, he, even bloomberg wasn't in office for that long so um <laughs> Bloomberg uh, only had one issue where they tackled uh, transportation and job uh, joblessness. <laughs> yes, I, that was I think a free a free download on my Marvel app. So I was yeah. that was that was how I read that one. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so the Goblin mystery are we do we are we still caring about the Goblin mystery because that evolved? I know movie. I know that we said we weren't gonna we weren't gonna cover this, but why not? Why not yeah. do some speculating? Well, this 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 at least was some hard evidence of something. Although I'm still not convinced that it's what it appears. But um, why don't why don't why don't you why don't you walk us through your thoughts here, Dan? Okay, so in this issue, we saw you know Liz Allen in her office, and she's having a conversation about the Jameson thing and how she doesn't support him because she warned him about the bots. And as soon as that goes off, we have Normie walking into the office saying he. Forgot something in the office and looking kind of sleepy. And uh, Liz hides a goblin mask behind her back and says, you know, I have to hide this before he sees it. And then quickly ushers him out of the room while saying, I'm doing this for you. Um, 
Now, I have my theories about this. Um, my theory being that she's hiding uh, the mask from Normie um, and doing it, you know, and doing it to better his future and to get in control of a company she is posing as the Goblin. Um, I still believe that Mason Banks is um, Norman Osborn, and since Norman Osborn is a publicly disgraced figure. Um, he cannot be the head of a big company, so he needs someone to do it for him. Enter uh, Liz Allen, um, who can help him, uh, you know, bring back his mantle, be in charge from the shadows, which I suspect he's doing to control the robots um, or the spider slayers. I mean, the last we saw of Liz Allen was in that Dan Slott issue. Um, where he visits the suburbs and learns about why Harry Osborne is missing and saves the molten man. And she was unemployed, single, and like living in the suburbs, taking care of her son, who was plucking Spider-Man heads off of dolls. Um, yes. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, her being the goblin seems a bit odd after the whole ordeal she went through with Harry. But... Um, I think Norman is behind this, and he's holding some things over her head. Because to me, that I'm doing this for you seems like a reluctancy, um, and that she's only doing something in order to better Normie's future. Um, and uh, what makes me think that it's two people being behind this, and possibly that they're splitting the, uh, the, the costume duties, is that, um, you know... Uh, we have Daredevil in, in one of the team-up issues. You know, uh, the Goblin doesn't speak so that Daredevil doesn't recognize the voice of the Goblin. And um, Daredevil wouldn't recognize Liz Allen's voice, but he probably would recognize Norman's. Mm-hmm. Um, where the hell did Allen Chemical come from? Like, we had never heard of this company before. Could it be that this company was just made up um, to get, you know, Liz out there out in the front? Um, and I think the scar and everything points to a man in the in, in the costume. Although I would say Common Coley's been drawing the goblin kind of womanish, womanlike, uh, feminine. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I, say, I think especially like in twenty nine. Yeah. Um, like the boom, boom, boom sequence, which we thought also looked like the Joker, but besides the point, I thought it was very kind of thin faced and and feminine. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just think the two of them are splitting duties. We saw the goblin getting dressed in the Mason Banks suit. So clearly, there's a man in this somewhere. Okay. So you wanna you wanna can I can I uh, out go total conspiracy theory on you? Yeah, go for it, man. I, I actually want to hear this because I've not heard your full theory yet. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking. Um, I, I Norman is is very involved in all of this. I think because of Norman's coma and whatnot, he's too weak to physically be the goblin. So I think there is some kind of blackmail or extortion in play. And I think that something is going on with Normie where he's being chemically injected or something to appear adult-like. And he is the goblin. And the reason he's tired is because he's coming down from some kind of... Yeah, drug-induced stupor. And Liz... I think you know Liz holding this, the the mask behind the back her back can go one of two ways. It's either she's she's tipping off that she's involved, like she's working with Norman because you know this is you know Norman set you know maybe Norman set her up with Alan Chemical and was like okay you do this and you because know, because Norman has always wanted Normie to be the heir. Yeah, 
I mean, that's been established in, in, in that was established in the nineties, at least I believe. I mean, he kind of goes back and forth. He's wanted Peter as his heir. He's wanted to kill Normie, whatever. But I mean, like, I feel like, you know, that's part of it. You know, he feels that Normie could succeed where his father, Harry failed. Um, but I think that Liz is hiding the mask either as, you know, just to tip off that she's involved and, and is complicit in this transformation, or maybe she's about to like be like, I- I'm hiding this and we're taking off for, you know, some random corner of the world where no one can find us and we'll look like, you know, uh, you know, what's his name? Mr. White from Breaking Bad, like Harry does. Uh, <laughs> Um, Could you imagine if Harry entered this story next issue? How out of nowhere that would be? That would that would I would boo that. I love Harry, but like you know, I I I thought he'd show up at some point in the storyline. He didn't, but you know, there were a lot of things that Dan Slott seemed to like hint that were going to happen that we didn't see. So, although he did, you know. This this Liz Liz's involvement here, you know, the whole goes back to the whole Dicko Ramita character thing. You know, Liz Allen's death could certainly be interesting. Yeah, that is true. I did not think about that. You know, if the goblin must die somehow, or whoever is working with the goblin, I think it's Normie because to me, the 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 the, the scene that sells it for me is all the way back in whatever that 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 issue with Carly. Where she's like, well, who's under the mask? He's like, it's Norman Osborn. Like, I don't, I don't feel that Liz would, if it was Liz under the mask, that she would just lie. Unless she's trying to convince people that it's Norman, which is like the whole the whole point of what I'm saying is she's there to like convince people it's Norman in the goblin suit and that he's not involved in a company. That's fair, but I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I, I to me, I think the Goblin was telling the truth. It's Norman Osborn. He just wouldn't reveal its mask because it's not the Norman you're thinking. Well, it could be either one. I think your points are very interesting and could be right. You know, whoever we're speculating, but you heard, you heard it here. We're gonna find out probably next issue. What if we don't? Ben <laughs> Gonzalez, he's still out there, right? Is yeah. he still on the board? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good guess, Mark. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think you were the one who put that idea in my head, damn it. <laughs> I, th- I think it was me. I think it was me. Um, okay. So we, we talked about Goblin. Um, we, we, we've, we've covered 31 Memories. Uh, why don't we talk about Amy Chen? Okay. So I, I, I like the sequence where he saved Amy, Amy Chen. Did you? I did. Um, but you you didn't like what came right after it, right? No. No. Like – Peter Parker, uh, you know, using his, you know, I, I mean, the idea of him forcing Otto to save her and and risking his appearance, I thought was really, actually, really great. What I don't like is that Peter uses this as an example for, um, for acting and always doing the right thing immediately when you're acting, and uh, hesitation can, should only exist when you have time for it to make the decision. And, like, I think that's a great sentiment. And if you would chose any, like, other Peter Parker story, I would agree with you. Except for the fact that the last time that Amy Chen's life was in someone's hands, it was in Otto's hands again. And Peter jumped to a conclusion that wasn't the right thing. And so for him to, like, 
moralize about this and then Otto to go, you know what? You're right. You're better at this than me. Even though Otto knows darn well that he messed up before. Like, I get that he's changed his mind now and, and all that stuff. But, like, Otto knows that Peter didn't get that right. In fact, he used it against him in Superior Spider-Man number 9 to defeat him. I, I don't really believe that that would be effective for either character. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this is a situation where I think uh, you might be overreading it a little bit. I mean, because this is the thing. I mean, my my interpretation of the initial Amy Chen story from Superior 8 was and that that then get referenced in Superior Nine that Peter's Peter's hesitation was a nanosecond, but because he was already in a defensive and weakened state, Otto was able to, Otto was able to prey on that because Otto Otto was riding high in Superior Nine. He was coming off the I have proven myself, you've proven nothing, and and now I'm gonna now I have you beaten into submission. But now that Otto is is backpedaling on a lot of different angles. I think Peter was able to recognize, no, wait, what I did was not, I did not, I did not actually put this girl's life at risk in this issue. That was, that I, that was me being manipulated and him manipulating my own guilt against me. That's how I read it. And, and that's, you know, that's just my interpretation of it. Um, I, I think that for me, I liked how Amy Chen was kind of the, 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 a precursor to Otto realizing that he wasn't the superior Spider-Man because it kind of echoes poetically what we had in Superior Nine. It was, you know, the, Amy Chen is what essentially gave him full possession of Peter's body, and now, you know, realizing that, you know, he because because Otto in that scene is ready to to just screw Amy Chen. That sounded terrible. Uh, to leave Amy Chen behind. <laughs> he better not be. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be really vile. Um, to just leave her behind and because of Anna Maria. Granted, like that, that, granted, it might not be out of character for him based on how Anna Maria has been drawn for this whole. Right. Right. Um, but it's, it, it, to me, like if Peter did not intercede, Amy Chen would be dead. Yeah, I agree. Whereas, whereas Peter's moment of hesitation in, in with stopping Ock from using the scalpel for that split second wasn't going to kill Amy Chen because he 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 he, re, he relinquished himself during that in that in that comic. He was like, "I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do this." And then Otto was like, "No, I'm going to do this." And he's like, "Fine." I guess. I don't know. I mean, you're saying that I'm reading into it too much. I just don't think that in this issue that that was conveyed by the text, like in his speech that like I like you know, all these things that you're saying to me. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, that's in, an interesting story, but that's just not how I read it. Did I earn my no prize, Dan? I mean, yeah, I guess so. You didn't convince me, but I see your point of view and i go okay that's respectable but i don't agree with it because i don't think that that was written on the page but okay yeah no prize no prize you up mark we need like a no prize alarm or something all right is there like a a, a sound effect where it's just like no Uh, um all right find out when you're listening to this whether i added one or not all right all right that sounds good that sounds good all right so we talked about ox suicide um so so dan why don't why don't we why don't we kind of end our superior 30 discussion with um uh, a bit of a 
piece of prediction slash speculation. Do you feel that that this was the actual end of Otto after his suicide? Are we going to see him again? Are we going to see him on the side of good or the side of evil again? Well, I'll tell you, like, if this is a setup just for him to, like, have used Peter Parker to save Anna Maria only to come back and steal his body back again or to fight back against him again, then I think that this whole thing seems a lot more in character for Otto because um, they don't really buy him committing suicide in which, the way he, which he did uh, or appeared to have done. But that being said, if that is what's happening, like, I'm ready for this series to end. Uh, and on a clean note, not to drag on into etern- eternity. Like, I don't just want to be this to become like the Jackal, where it's like you can never kill him because there's a million clones of him out there. I would like this just to end clearly so I know definitively, like, that was a powerful moment and the death of, Do- of, you know, Dr. Octopus. And the more they keep doing this, and I'm not saying that this is one of those, but this could have been that clean moment and it didn't work for me. But if they bring him back again one more time in a way that doesn't feel like completely uh, like natural to these rules, I'm going to feel continuously cheated and that it, the the moment is not going to be as powerful as it could have been at some point. No, it's interesting. I definitely, um, I mean, I think, I think some remnant of like astral auto, I can say that now, I guess, is gonna gonna show up on the next issue, and whether we get another dose of him in in amazing remains to be seen. There's still that solicitation of you know the return of you know who, um, which you know I wouldn't have been shocked if you know we kind of talked about this on a previous podcast if you know the end of amazing one was you know Doc Ock being like I'm gonna get my body back somehow you know kind of like mirroring superior one. But then I also wouldn't be shocked if that solicitation was just, you know, not 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 wrong, but it's something completely unexpected. Well, so. I think I have an idea of who, you know, who might be if it's not um, Ock. And we could talk about that when we get to our news. But um, I think there was a bit of uh, things said that might prove that it's not Ock in number one that's coming right. up. Well, we can talk right. about that later. All right, let's do it. So, Dan, you're great. Well, this is a love-hate issue. Um, you know, I think this is a fine issue by itself, but I guess I'm grading it a little more um, in line with how I felt this was as a return of Peter Parker and a kind of wrap-up of the Superior Era. I'm giving it a C-. minus, And I'm just giving it a, a solid B because, for me, this I enjoyed it. Um, I understand the issues with it, but I've also forgiven many other issues with this series. So why stop now? We're almost done. So you know, <laughs> why 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 get why get upset about it now? <laughs> Your heart's already been broken. How many more pieces can it be? Well, in? you know exactly. I, I I'm happy to have Peter Parker back in my life, and Peter Parker without too many, um, you know, conditions and caveats and all that other. Jazz. So there I guess you go. I guess for me it's just that like I really enjoyed Superior and talking it over with you and getting hyped up and buying into the hype about all these things and this moment. What was the moment going to be like? Issue nine was one of my favorite issues of Spider Man in a long time, and seeing him like looking up, getting buried, I was like ready 
for that showdown, Peter to get his once more, and I kind of feel let down. But you know what? I might just have to buy it and move on. Life goes on, my friend. Life goes on. So let's get to some emails and comments from iTunes. Everybody, this is the time of the show where Dan and I answer uh, your your questions via our email account, which is superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. And we also read your feedback that you leave from us on our uh, iTunes account. Uh, if you search on iTunes, Superior Spider Talk, you will find us or just search Spider-Man. You can find us that way. So, you know, leave some stars for us. Leave some comments. We're actually trying to get up to uh, 50 reviews on iTunes. What are we up to about right now, Dan? We're at 40 reviews, so 10 more. We know you're out there. Please leave us some reviews so we can get bumped up on iTunes and get more and more eyes on this show and, and give you guys more and more great things uh, yeah. you know, by, by our reviews. Absolutely. So, Dan, why don't you take away from the first review here? Okay. Our, our first review comes from Bob Crawler, and uh, the name of the review is Thwippin' Awesome, which, which I like, and uh, yeah. it's five out of five. And he says, these two dudes have PH double Ds in spider theory. Senses tingling. Nice. Well, I, I got to say, Dan, that's not the only thing I got double Ds in, if you know what I mean. Woo. Man yeah, I, boobs. I have seen. I have seen your. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to continue on with this line of discussion. <laughs> so let's take it to the second comment. This is from Gaming Hermit. Uh, the title is "Informed Opinions Equal Sign." Great listening. Five out of five stars. Anyone looking for a great Spider-Man podcast to follow up the issues? This is the one for you. They talk about every issue in detail, scene by scene, calling back information from old issues and important story arcs. Their speculation is always great to hear. And Many of the ideas they have are spot on. Vin Gonzalez. Vin Gonzalez. They both know an incredible amount of Spidey. Great podcast, gentlemen. Keep it up. Awesome. Awesome. I want to issue a special thanks again to listener Thomas Aiello, who uh, wrote in uh, for our last show. But this show, he gave us a a wonderful donation of some of his hard-earned money. So we want to thank him. If you guys would like to donate to the show... You can find the donation button on the homepage of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Just look there. It'll say Donate to Superior Spider Talk, and it goes straight to Mark and I, and then we put it right back into the show. We're not making money off of this thing at all, and it will help us cover some of the uh, costs that are creeping up on us here. Exactly, because, you know... We need to get paid. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, thank you so much for your donation. It's really greatly appreciated. Yeah, um, it means a lot. Uh, you want to take this first email here, Dan? Sure. Why not? Um, we got an email from Adam Chapman who um, really liked your uh, top 10 uh, best Green Goblin stories, Mark. Ah, um, yes. But he uh, says it got him thinking about what may be the worst Green Goblin stories. And he's asking us, would Bart Hamilton or Phil Urich make this particular list? So basically, I guess he's asking us what our least favorite Goblin stories are. Yeah, and 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 Dan, we kind of talked about this ahead of time. We we're, we're taking sins past off the table just because that's too much of a gimme for me. 
Yeah, I mean, it just seems too obvious. Every everybody kind of likes to poop on that story, and uh, uh, I, right. I mean, I don't know. I think as a story, it's not the worst like structured one. I think more that the, the history that it's altering is pretty uh, hated upon. What what it does to the franchise as a whole, but. Um, Mark, what are, what are your least favorite Goblin stories here? I mean, for me, probably, you know, and, and these two stories are generally kind of viewed as being hand in hand, but the, the Gathering of Five slash final chapter that closed out the uh, the volume one era of Amazing Spider-Man, which, you know, then brought us into the, the much ballyhooed, or I should say much booed, Howard Mackey, uh, John Byrne run on Amazing Spider-Man. Um, but yeah... <laughs> Do you want to tell the fans a little bit about what that story is about? Because it is uh, kind of interesting. Well, it's 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 basically Norman Norman becoming all mystical and magical and trying to get the power of everything. It's how would you explain it, Dan? Because I, I I've read it a couple of times many years ago. I read it. I read part of it very recently, and I'm still kind of like. What is he trying to do? <laughs> There's like I don't I'm not sure if I ever wrap my brain around the fine details of it, but it involves a gathering of five of like Marvel's like most powerful or like kind of uh secretive personas and Norman being one of them and they kind of do a gamble where they all drink some kind of elixir that has the chance of giving them one of several powers or uh negative effects and um, yeah, Norman thinks he's got power, but he's insane instead, right? That's right, yeah. The... He thinks he gets power, but he goes insane, and then nobody's ever referred to this ever again. Yeah, and and but this this arc is also very notorious, and, and this has been referred to every time since then. Well, not, not the finer details of it, but her character certainly is now part of continuity again. But this was the resurrection of Aunt May. Uh, Aunt May, who was killed off beautifully by J.M. DeMatteis and Mark Bagley in Amazing Spider-Man 400, probably one of the most beautifully crafted issues in Spider-Man history. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, and one of the best character deaths, like, ever, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Aunt May, this this elderly woman who certainly was knocking on death's doorstep in the past, well, no, she she did not die. And the the explanation for this might be one of the craziest explanations I've ever heard in my life. Specifically for a non-superpowered character death, which was that Norman hired an actress to get facial surgery, you know, face transplant surgery, you know, alter her appearance and to act like Aunt May to the point that she convinced herself that she was Aunt May and then she died. Well, there you was, go. There you uh, have it. And then, and then when when Aunt May is back, she, uh, Norman injected a, a a genetic bomb, I believe he called it, into her brain, where if someone tried to remove it, it was going to set a bomb off and like take and like alter people's DNA in the area. So, goodness, my 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 gracious, comic books people gotta love them. I'm what gonna, about you, Dan? <laughs> I don't think I can top that because I think I'm in agreement with you on that one. But I do want to uh, give a shout out to actually the first Green Goblin story, just because it's kind of a ludicrous story. Um, I mean, back hey, Spidey when, was Spidey was going to be in Hollywood, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as someone who's moving to Hollywood, um, you know, I I kind of appreciate that Peter Parker at least stopped by out there at one point, but. Um, yeah, the Green Goblin is living like I mean, he's not living in L.A., but his plan is to go to L.A. and to trick 
Peter Parker, who's notorious for taking Spider-Man's pictures out to L.A. uh, so that he can lure Spider-Man onto a movie set and drop a fake boulder on him with the assistance of um, uh, his, like, team of um, the Enforcers. Uh, So he sends the Enforcers to, like, lure him out there. It's his most complicated plan of all time. Um, couldn't he have dropped a fake boulder on him in New York? Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure. And some reason Peter feels the need to get on a train from New York to LA, which like, that's a hell of a long trip for, for what he's going for. It's just, it's all very odd. And then guess what? The Hulk shows up. I mean, why not? Yeah, not the most uh, most memorable character introduction, that's for sure. Let's just say the Green Goblin's plans, as crazy as they seem in this Goblin Nation storyline, are far more refined than his original. Yeah, and I got to say, I mean, the only Ditko story that made my top ten list was the Crime Master arc, which we talked about many moons ago, it feels like. Uh, on the show and 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 I think like it, it it took some footing for for Stan and Steve to figure out what they were doing with this character. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, Adam, I hope that shapes your lust for bad gro- green goblin stories. I mean, I guess, I guess you should go read them. I I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe you know in the in the aftermath of my top 10 list some of these might get brought up again. You never know. Yeah. We got a nice email from uh, from Scott, but he didn't really ask a question, so uh, we just kind of want to thank him uh, about that. Um, Mark, do you want to tackle this uh, this last one for us? All right, Dan. Well, we got uh, another email from our good friend Tim Z, who who is uh, once again has 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 mentioned to us uh, that he has tried to give Peter Parker a chance many times over the years. But he's kind of found him to be, uh, I guess, a bit of a wet blanket and, and uninteresting and kind of one dimensional. And that, you know, the rogues gallery is even more interesting than, than Peter is. And, you know, Tim wants to know, is he the only one out there that feels this way? Yes. Uh, yeah, it is. I think so at this point. Sorry, Tim. Yeah, sorry. Wah, wah. Cue the Carly noise. <laughs> I had almost forgotten about that. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's get into the news, the, the news and reviews and rumors. It's that time again in the show where we talk about all the news and rumors, and boy, do we have not many bits of news, but we have big ones uh, here. Yeah, the two that we got are pretty significant, I'd say. So they've been kind of uh, beating around the bush about this one, giving us some slight clues, and a while ago, Axel Alonso did that interview with CBR where he said we need to think way bigger about... uh, uh, the Spider-Man universe, and and that n- makes clear sense now because 
Dan Slott and Marvel announced Spider-Verse, their upcoming fall event story. Mark, tell us a little bit more about Spider-Verse. Well, Spider-Verse, well, Dan, you know, if, if you think back to after Axel made those comments, I sent you this very disoriented email about, like, Maybe there's going to be Spider-Mans from different timelines interacting. And I think you said to me something along the lines of, wow, this sounds like the rantings of a crazy person. Or the people in charge at Marvel, because that sounds <laughs> what this is going to be. It sounds like, you know, per, per a really awesome um, illustration from, was it Gabriel Delato? Who, yeah, uh, yeah, it was really beautiful. Uh, basically showing every single version of Spider-Man from the mainstream universe, from the alternate timelines. We got, we got Miguel, uh, we we got uh, Miles Morales in there. We got Spider-Man 2099. We have uh, you know uh, Spider-Man India in there. We got uh, Spider-Man Fairy Tales in there. We have um, Noir uh, Peter Porker. Yeah, yeah, Noir Peter Porker. We got um, oh goodness. Uh, I mean, all the different suits. So you got your self suit Spidey, your fans, your future foundation Spidey, uh, black suit, uh, Iron Spider. Uh, the, I think I even saw the the Spider Armor Disco Ball of Justice from the 1990s. Yeah, um, there's the future <laughs> Spider Man from 2122, and there's the Spider Man in the story from with the story where Aunt May died instead of instead of Uncle Ben. Yes, there's the Betty Brant spider person in that picture, I believe, with the with the with the with the with the um the bra the spider bra, I believe, right? Yes, there is, and uh, best of all, Mark, I don't even know if you noticed this. Uh, besides Monkey Spider Man, is Bagman Baghead is in the background. Baghead is definitely in the background. I was also impressed with the Earth X Spider Man, the big fat one with the sign on his face eating a cheeseburger. Yes, yes. I, I enjoyed seeing Fat Fat Peter. There uh, seems to be some kind of dog Spider Man. Yes, a Spider Wolf. There was Ghost Spider from that um that annual issue, right? Yes. So, so, <laughs> so this is I mean okay, so this is fun. Um, I I don't know how this is going to tie into a story, but this is obviously going to play into um, another one of Madame Webb's wonderful prophecies. I think this was what from Superior Twenty, yes. where she said all the spiders will die. That's my Madam Web voice. I don't know if that's what she actually sounds like. It's very feminine. Okay. Oh, the spiders will die. Wow. That was, that was, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to qualify that. You don't have to. Anyway, so Spider-Verse, it's going to be a mini series. It's going to be, I think, six issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, it's going to probably tie into other series, including one that we're about to talk about that's going to be starting in July. Um, this is this is the this is a true Spider-Man event. We have not had a true Spider-Man event like this probably since Spider Island, I'd say. So it's been over three years. I think we're due. Um, as long as it's not maximum carnage, how bad can it be, right, Dan? Yeah, that would be my fear here with all these characters. It's just, it's just going to depend on how they're going to bring them in, and, and if this is just going to be like paying service to like trying to work in as many Spider-Mans as possible, or is there actually going to be a fluid plot and script to it? And you know, unfortunately, the way things are with with Superior lately, as we've been talking about, I mean, we don't we don't know at this point. But you know what? It, this does seem like a lot of fun. One thing that did kind of I don't know I don't want to say concerned me, but kind of set up the red flags was that you know per. Um, uh, I believe it was either Axel said this, Axel Lanza said this, or um, maybe the new Spider Book editor, um, what's his name from the X Men books? Um, uh, Nick Lowe. 
Thank you. Uh, from Nick Lowe is that um, Dan Slott actually originally pitched this as a superior arc, and he kind of got voted down um, in favor of doing something with Peter Parker, and it kind of makes me say, you know, what? Why? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't Dan? instantly want to do this about peter if you know since he is he is a true spider-man don't you think yeah it does seem odd but you know what who knows what's going on in editorial that's very true um although what was dan's dan slot's joke about there was one spider-man he tried to pitch that got rejected it was um the spider-mobile the talking spider-mobile yes but he had a name for it it was um hold on a second i got it right here. peter parked car <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I, I, I would have, I would, you know what, if the people from Marvel are out there, I would say, let Dan Slott write Peter Parked car. I will. I, I think we, that should be allowed. Well, another exciting thing about it is the return of Moreland. Yes. Oh, that's right. There's a villain in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess he's going to come back to feast on some totemic powers and boy, there's going to be a lot of them here. Right. Yeah. And he's going to appear in the free comic day that we're getting in, uh, uh, May, in right? May. So that's exciting. It looks like he's going to fight 1602 Spider-Man. Um, if you go to <laughs> SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, you can see a full breakdown of all of the various details that were revealed. There's some really f- interesting ones about the I- how, where this idea came from and all the little things like uh, Spider-Girl is coming back and mm-hmm. that there are alternate dimensions where um, Ben Riley is still alive. And so that Spider-Man will be returning. Um, so characters that are dead, which might mean, for me, very happily, Ultimate Peter Parker might be coming back. Oh wow, that so, would be intense. Yeah, yeah, no this 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 has the potential to be a lot of fun, and I think probably something that is really going to cater to Spider-Man fans. Or this could be a train wreck. But I'm going to be optimistic because I think that. Like I said, I, I like I like when Spider-Man gets his own event like this. You know, like all the all the Marvel events are so Avengers focused, especially since the success of the movie. You know, we've had you know or X-Men centric because you know it's always the X-Men. I mean, you know, you think since Spider Island, we've had um, uh, Infinity and AVX, and we're you know this this sins. Uh, original sin that's coming out, which seems it's going to be kind of cosmic, but you know, not again, not Spider-Man. I mean, he's he's going to be involved, but it's not his event. Uh, the Age of Ultron, uh, which the less we say, the better. Um, so you know, giving Spider-Man front and center and making him you know the flagship character of Marvel to me, that's how it should be. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, me too. I, I'm excited about it, and it you know, the whole thing seems kind of tongue in cheek. So. That's kind of exciting. And I know that several of the contributors to my site uh, met up with Dan Slott in New York for a signing that he was doing. And they all wrote to me about their experiences there. And he was just throwing out ideas and Spider-Man characters that people had never heard of before um, to each and every one of them. So, you know, a ton of exciting things. Clearly the guy is tickled pink to kind of dig as deep as he can to pull these characters out. So I'm excited to see how much he can confound even mark and i so yeah well i mean you know this is a lot of these alternate dimensions spider-man i mean these are playing into a lot of my blind spots as a reader so i I, i'm probably going to be spending this is coming out in november i believe is the start date sure um so uh i'm gonna have to do i'm gonna have to really do a deep dive on the marvel u app between now and then to make sure that 
Um, you know, I, I have my knowledge. Like I've never read like Spider-Man fairy tale. I actually never read Spider-Man noir, which I know is bad, but, uh, I, I do. Ins- that's on my, my read pile. I'm I, uh, not a huge fan, although I liked it in the video game. So, okay. I mean, I, I know that there are some people who love it. Um, so I, that's, I gotta, I do need to check that. I mean, you know, I've read 2099, I've read, uh, 1602, I've read, Earth X. Uh, I mean, I've read a lot of this, but there, there's there's definitely a lot that's that's off my radar. Uh, I've never read Spider Girl, which makes me, you know, I know good friend Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco will probably want to throw me on, uh, you know, on a couple of train tracks and run me over fifty times for that. But um, so I got I probably got to read some Spider Girl. It looks like sounds like right. Looks like we got our work cut out for us reading alternate dimension Spider Man's. And speaking of which, back from the future. Spider-Man 29, the, 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 2099, uh, 2099. What? So I left out some numbers. Sue me. Uh, I might. <laughs> no. Uh, so we got, uh, the, the book that has been rumored and rumored and rumored probably since New York comic con, depending on the sources that you believe, but yes, Peter David is in fact back. He is in fact writing Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099 coming this July. I'm down. I've been down since the beginning. Me too. I'm excited about it. And it's funny because if you believe Peter David, he did not know that he was going to be on this book until like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, Peter David. Um, that just makes too much sense. Um, but no, I mean, Peter Peter created the character. He should, he should be doing it. Um, I think Peter's a great writer. The, the friendly neighborhood run aside, which I know is not one of your favorites, Dan. Um, but obviously Peter's work on spectacular in the eighties is kind of is, is un, unparalleled in a lot of ways. Um, so yay, Peter David's back. I'm, I'm down. I'm excited about it. And the stories that they're going to be tackling sound interesting too. Like, cause the first arc follows Miguel hunting down, uh, like the dealers who are spelling or who are selling these spider slayers to foreign countries, which sounds interesting to me, like that he's being used as like an integral member in this, you know, the universe here and the fallout of Goblin Nation, but also that like his um, his story is going to be uh, dealing with Liz Allen and Tiberius Stone uh, to an attempt to reform them and stop the creation of Alchemax. Um, that sounds really exciting to me that he's going to be playing with the future, even if he ends up unwriting himself. Yes, no, definitely agreed. So, um, you know, again, that's coming in July and I'm sure, you know, more details will be coming out as we get closer, but, um, this should be fun. Um, so Dan, before, before we go, why don't we, why don't we talk about Superior Spider-Man annual number two very quickly? Let's do it. Spider-Man Annual number two. Uh, we actually got uh, two stories in this. Um, one was uh, Blood Ties, uh, which was starring uh, probably Marvel's best journalist character, Ben Urich. 
And then we had the second story, Chasing Ghosts, which was kind of more focused on the Wraith and Carly Cooper. Um, so, I mean, let me start with the first one, Blood Ties. To me, this this was a great story. This was a really great character-driven story, something that we really haven't gotten a lot of in Superior. I mean, we we talked about this earlier in the show in terms of story over character, story over character. Here Here is a true character piece uh, about Ben, uh, you know, Essentially, trying to see if if his nephew Phil, who is now masquerading, you know, was the hobgoblin, is now the goblin knight. If if Phil could be reformed, either you know, emotionally or physically, because he gets you know, Ben did kind of, um, I think, a little um, unrealistically solve the, the 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 theory for goblin serum. It sounded like, which was a little kind of out there. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. Is that is that going to be in canon now? Can we I, I, can we cure I, the goblin? I guess so. I, I we I guess we'll find out because we, we we haven't really seen what happened to Carly Cooper since uh, the second part of this issue. Uh, but but Dan, I mean, I can't I can't heap enough praise. This to me was the strongest strongest Christos Gage story I've ever seen written. Yeah. Um, and I I just thought he nailed every beat that you could think of, even the unrealistic ones uh in this story i i was really impressed by it yeah if we could get like if gage and rodriguez could get their own book or or take over the main title you would hear no complaints from me if they could deliver issues on this level that were this character specific this is the kind of stuff that i loved reading you know back in like the 80s you know and uh when we had like you know some of the best writers on the Spider-Man book. I want more stories like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, the second they kind of opened up with that, I'm I'm Ben York and I'm a reporter. I mean, it was like I I think I, I'm reading the, this this comic on the subway. I think I cheered in my seat. I was well, I wasn't. I don't sit on the subway. I stand because you know no one sits on the subway. Uh, but you know what I mean. I cheered because it's like it, that's such a callback. I mean, you know, I was instantly brought back to the era of. You know, well, obviously Ben is more associated with Daredevil, so like the Frank Miller Daredevil run, but also, I mean, the the, the Falco books and and the Roger Stern books, and you know, Dan, I think we've talked about I Cover the Waterfront, which is actually written by Bill Mantlo. That might be one of the most sophisticated stories that Bill Mantlo ever wrote um, on Spider Man. I mean, it's it's like. You know, I'm I'm a former newspaper reporter, as some of you might know. Um, I, I so the Ben Yura character for me is like a really personally important character. Um, I, I I just I I I I love that that we had that. I mean, I don't know if you know Ben Ben can obviously carry his own title, but I mean, you know, t- and talking about the a Gage Rodriguez series, you know, hey, how about like an eight part mini series about Ben York putting his life back together or something? Like I, I I would read that. Yeah, you and I might be the only ones who would love to read that. I gotta think uh, there are other people out there though. Yeah, this is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought um, he, wrote, he wrote everybody here, like Car well here. Everybody is interesting. Like Carly is the goblin. Like it's not only well written, but I love the way that Rodriguez like renders her. She's jumping in and out of like pools of light it felt very noir to me i really enjoyed seeing this personification of her yeah i mean i loved the uh, there was one panel of uh when the the goblins bring forward uh joe joe robertson and um phil kind of takes his flaming sword to him and you see uh you know ben's 
face in horror and like the flaming sword is being reflected in his glasses. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's such a, that to me, it was a great visual and like really, it really resonated emotionally in terms of, you know, what this guy must be thinking. Uh, just great storytelling there with very minimal text. The, the coloring and the inking is also done by Rodriguez. And I think he, that this is a really like success. I mean, I know that our artists can't do this all this time, all the time, but like, uh, putting him on all of these duties allows him to really sync them up really well with each other and and design things like with a clear image in mind. I love these really wide panels that allow multiple images of the characters to appear in them. It really helps guide the action and and also the emotional stakes. There's that really nice moment where Yurik um, is leaving. Uh, Parker uh, Industries, uh, as he slowly walks out the door and the sliding doors close behind him, I thought that was a really beautiful moment. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the second story, the the chasing ghosts, uh, to me just wasn't as effective. I mean, I don't know. I think probably because the focus were on characters that you know aren't as interesting right now, unfortunately. I mean, just because of how they've been written. I mean, you know, Ben Yurick obviously has decades of stories that precede him that that make him a richer character to start off with, whereas Carly and um, Captain Wanatabe, not so much. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. Um, I, you know, I appreciate that it was short and it kind of just got what it wanted to do done with, you know? Um, could it have been done more elegantly? Perhaps. But I don't know that I want to read, like, a poem that's written over top of this. Like, if you have a narrative beat, go for it and get it done. I thought this was fine enough. Um, though I don't know – like, I, I, I figured they could just fit this into this – like, with, you know, Rodriguez's artwork and just kind of make it all one big thing. Like, wh- why not just do that? Because I like that artwork better. Although, you know what this one did offer us? And if you get off on seeing the living brain be pummeled, then this, <laughs> then this has been the series for you. That poor living brain. I mean, you know, really. There's just no, no coming back for him, I guess. He's not going to want to be living for much longer if he gets treated like this. No, no. He will, he will never mistakenly identify Spider-Man again after this. Yeah. Um... Do you, do you have a grade for this for this whole annual issue, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to give it a B plus. I really enjoyed this. The second part not as interesting as the first, but that first one would have gotten a solid like A A minus from me. Yeah, I, I, I'm right with you. I was going to say I'm a B plus, and 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 Blood Ties alone was probably an A. I mean, you know, the other one, not that it dragged it down, but I mean, like you know, it, it, if you're looking at it as a total package, it it, it just it wasn't as interesting to me. But I mean, Blood Ties like. You know, if there's a way we can get more stories like that in the future, um, I, I, you know, I, I I need to petition my congressman for that. Um, and and Christos Gage, I mean, I've I've kind of criticized him a bit over the last year, but um, you know, I I am a fan of your writing if you can deliver that. So you know, congrats on that. This might this is definitely my favorite story in the Goblin Nation arc. Yeah. Oh yeah. No question. No question. Even yeah. Uh, so, Dan, why don't, we, why don't we take it home? All right. Well, you guys can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure that you leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. Again, we're trying to get to 50, so any help that you guys can give us will get us closer to that goal. If you guys have any opinions on these comics or any questions, 
please make sure you email them to us at superiorspottertalk at gmail.com, and we will address and read them on the air. Yeah, and also be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk because it's a great place to catch up with Dan and I in between shows. Uh, I know, Dan, you, you use it to put all of your stuff from spider talk up there. I sometimes use it for Chasing Amazing. I mean, you could also find Chasing Amazing on Facebook, but uh, it's it's really a good place. Uh, so like us, uh, talk to us there, leave us comments, send us messages at uh, facebook.com slash superior spider talk. Great. And uh, Dan, where can we find you on the internet? Of course, you can always find uh, me on the internet by following me on Twitter at, at @dangavosden or visiting my personal page at dangavosden.com. You can read all of my movie reviews by uh, visiting grindmyreels.com, my personal review uh, movie review site. And uh, you can read all of my writing and my team's writing about Spider-Man at superiorspidertalk.com or by following us on Twitter at Sup Spider Talk. The team is now 11 big. Wow. And I just uh, got a new member on the team today that I cannot reveal what this person is going to be doing for our website, but I know when you guys f- find out what it is, you're all going to be very excited. So come check it out. We have a great piece up today um, about the entire history of Boomerang as a character that is quite thorough so um i can't recommend it enough mark where can we find you on the internet well of course you can find me at www.chasingamazingblog.com uh i i just recently wrapped my my top 10 green goblin storyline countdown i know that my number one choice probably shocked and awed you all um but uh beyond that um you're going into the month of april because it's the uh, 50th anniversary of daredevil we're gonna have some daredevil content up it's not gonna be exclusively daredevil uh but uh i i I am quite a fan of the spider-man daredevil dynamic so uh be sure to check in on that and you know a couple of other uh nostalgic tidbits as as well as some uh news and reviews related to some of the newer issues uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing. And then you can find my work, uh, my comic book-related work on other sites, including WhatCulture.com, where I actually wrote a, wrote an article about the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie that will probably get me blacklisted from Mark Webb's events for the next 500 years. Uh, and you <laughs> and, deserve it. You deserve it. Ah, uh, Whatever. It, it it got it got traction, Dan. That's all I care about. I'm all you, about the hits. You and your hits. <laughs> I sold my soul for 150,000 views of an article. What can I say? Um, <laughs> and then also for, for less shame. for shame for, le- for less soul selling, you can also find me on uh, Comics Should Be Good blog at CBR for my gimmick or good column about 90s comics. Mark, I'm just I'm just aghast at how cheap you were. Yes, I criticized a movie before it even came out. I think I broke some hearts along the way. Although I also got a lot of people who on Twitter or on Facebook were like, yeah, man, stick it to them. You're right, man. Um, so this Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie is going to probably be an interesting experience. I will say, as I've said, I said it multiple times in the comments section on my article, I want the, I want to like this movie. I hope, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that the really bizarre characterization of all these characters as seen in the trailers and kind of going back to the last movie as well, uh, is just me maybe misreading things. So well, we'll have a review of that movie when it comes out. Yes, exactly. So, uh, 
You know, uh, anything else from you, Dan? Or, uh, or are you going to set me up with any funny stories? Or am I just going right to the finish here? Mark, I always like to hear some inspirational quotes. And I know you've got the best of them all. Yes, that inspirational quote is, With great podcasts must also come superior spider talk. <laughs>